0: Hey, welcome to Joy Church. Eugene, excited to be here on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, my name is Jake, and I'm going to be uh, your captain today, so buckle up and uh, for the ride. Terrible jokes, just starting it off right, right <laughs> off the bat. Uh, well, we're going to be starting a five-week series today, a series entitled Significant. And uh, Significant, and the sort of tagline, is a life that makes a difference. How many of you, when you were a kid, you didn't, you didn't say, like, when I grow up, I wanna have a life that makes no difference, right? Like, nobody says this. When you're a kid, you wanna be something cool like a race car driver or an astronaut or like the President of the United States, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? Yeah? Like, you want your life to mean something. You want it to be significant. I had a kid that I went to school with and actually, uh, Kelly Finley brought this yearbook today from my school down in Medford, Grace Christian, and I was like in first grade. I had like a Patrick Swayze shirt. It was sick, man, it was cool. but. Uh, There was a kid that I saw in the yearbook, and I went to school with this kid, and you don't know him, so I'm just gonna say his name is Zach, and that may or may not be his name, but it definitely is. Um, And, like, get this, his aspiration in life, get this, to be a garbage truck driver. Now, garbage truck drivers, very good career, necessary, so if you're a sanitation engineer, you know, (laughs) don't take offense at this, but like, but honestly, like, we were all like, really? You could, de- you could be a cowboy, an astronaut, like, you could be uh, Hulk Hogan, he was kinda like, when I was growing up, like a wrestler, you know I mean? Like, there's a lot of cool things. You could be Joe Montana, and you wanna be a garbage truck driver, but this kid was obsessed with being a garbage truck driver, and unfortunately, I don't think he ever got to that <laughs> career, but he like, went on ride-alongs with garbage truck drivers, and. <laughs> I mean, I hear people doing this with police and things, but this kid wanted to be a garbage truck driver. But all of us want our life to make a difference. And so uh, I'm going to be doing a five-week series called Significant. And really looking at, if you go on Joy Eugene, there's on, I think on the Who We Are page, there's five values that are listed there. And these values come from Bethany and my wife and I looking at, okay, as we launch this church, as we build something, and, and we want it to be a representation of the gospel and, and a representation of Jesus in the city of Eugene, what are the things that are really core values to us? And these five values that we've selected, I'm going to cover them for the next five weeks. Uh, I really believe that these five values set us up to have success as followers of Jesus. Now, I know that in any group this size, there might be some people that aren't followers of Jesus, and we are so happy that you took the courageous step to come to a church. Maybe you got, you, you thought it was like the... Um, uh, you know Hilliard community Donut Club or something today well that 's great. we do have muffins and things, but you know you took that courageous step. Thank you for being here. A lot of you are followers of jesus and and to be successful as a follower of Christ, I believe these five values that we 've identified, which are not something we created or made up, they really come out of the Bible, but uh, they really set us up to be successful as followers of jesus and so we 're going to look at these five values and and uh, go through them in the next five weeks so significant and today i want to talk about uh, the first value which is the value of worship the value of worship that as we live a significant life a life that makes a difference it needs to be rooted in worship now the way that we've chosen to describe this value is this worship aligning our lives to the reality of god aligning our lives to the reality of god and so worship can be used in a lot of different ways worship can be used as term worship can be used to describe kind of an act, as if we, we, like, we came together and we sang some songs and we would call that worship, right? We're singing our praise to the Lord, we're, we're lifting our hands, we're engaging in worship, it's an act of worship, but worship is really more than just what happens on Sunday mornings or Wednesday night at our prayer meeting, right? It's more than just what happens when you get an acoustic guitar and a hipster with a good voice, right? Okay, <laughs> um, thank you, Kyle. This, that's the best description you've ever had of your life, huh? So much more than that. Uh, I'm, just, I'm a hipster with a keyboard, so they phased me out of worship. You know, I was like, you just preach now. But um, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but this worship is more than just a, an act. Worship is, a, is, a, is a, a lifestyle. Worship is a posture of life. We're going to look at this. But one of the best descriptions that I've heard of worship is given from Pastor Chris Hodges. He's a pastor of a great church down in Birmingham, Alabama. And he says this, that worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. How many of you have kids? All right. God bless you. Um, How many of you have ever been worshipped by your children? And when I say this, worship is love expressed. You ever had your kid like express love to you? My kids do it in a very slobbery, snotty way. Like Jack... He, you know, gets up all my grill and he, and I, I taught him to say this, but I like, it's the best part of my world right now where he says, dad, I love you. And I'm proud of you. (laughs) I'm just telling you right now, my chest gets bowed out. You know what I mean? And my son says this, he's two years old, but I'm training him to be an encourager, right? Uh, He's a, he's a, he's a pastor in, in the making, but but Jack, he's, he's worshiping. Now you go, well, that's. are you being sacrilegious? Like you think your son should worship you? No, I don't think he should worship me in the sense of how we should worship God. But he's expressing his love, right? And, and my, my you know, daughter, Penny, she's, she doesn't talk, but, and, but she expresses her love. And it's again, it's very messy. It's like slobbery. And she bashes her face into my face. She doesn't have great motor skills <laughs> at this point at nine months old. You know, I'm like, get with it, Penny. But she just... She doesn't, but she's expressing her love. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Worship <laughs> is love expressed. Worship is showing what or who you love that you love them, that you love it. Uh, when we go to duck games, and I don't know if there's any Beaver fans here. You know, I, I thought you knew you were coming to a Christian church, not like. <laughs> but anyways, just kidding. Love you, Nathan. I am just, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, um, when you go to duck games I remember David at Finley he, he called me last year and we went to the Washington Huskies annual beatdown of the Huskies it's a beautiful thing it's just, you could feel the presence of the Lord just all over that place in the stadium and so there we are and like 50,000 people were expressing love were expressing worship and excitement, this was, love was being expressed for our team, scoring touchdowns and stomping on the evil team from the north. And, and you could feel there's an energy there because love was being expressed. Now, obviously, uh, we have to get the target right of our worship. A, a sports team, great as they are, the Ducks, I love the Ducks, really not the best target of our worship, although go cheer for them on Saturday, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, my kids loving me and expressing their love to me, that's a good Target, but it's not the ultimate target. Ultimately, worship is is needed to be directed to the Creator. Worship is is uh, is to be directed towards God. But but love expressed is what worship is. And really, the question isn't, "Am I worshiping in my life?" It's, "What am I worshiping?" Right? Because all of us love something, and all of us are expressing our love towards that something or those some things. So the question really for us is, what am I worshiping and is it worthy? Uh, the word worship, it's a, it comes from an old English word, early English, I say, and uh, medieval. But it, 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 it comes from this word worthship, And it means to ascribe worth or ascribe value. So when we say I'm worshiping something, we're saying I am ascribing worth. I am saying that this thing is valuable to me right? That's what worship is. And so this word worthy, when when you say something is worthy, what you're saying is it is is worth worshiping. It is a valuable thing that should be worshiped. And so as we look at what it means to live a life of worship, a a significant life to embody and live out this value uh, of what I call worship, it's aligning our life to the reality of God. Now, what is the reality of God? Well, we're going to talk about this There's a verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, and it's very simple. It says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, okay? And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And I say the foundation facts of the Christian faith really is that number one, there is a God, right? So it's recognizing that there's a God that we didn't just sort of into existence. I I actually have a college degree in doing that. It's a, yeah, it's a (laughs) skill. yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I can teach you. But anyways, that, that we didn't just sort of pop into existence, that the universe didn't happen because of time plus slime plus chance, that this isn't just a, we're not dancing to the tune of our DNA, that there's a creator, there's a, an intelligence, a, a mastermind behind the universe. And, and so Christianity really starts with this first fact, or a foundational fact that there is a God. And obviously, if you don't believe that, that's okay. We can talk about that and I'd love to help you work out that question. Uh, Number two, Christianity, a foundation fact is that God is personal. In other words, he wants a relationship with you and I. So a lot of, uh, there's a perspective called deism. Deism says there's a God and he started the world, but basically he doesn't really care to be involved with it anymore. And it's often called the watchmaker God philosophy that God sort of created a watch and wound it up and just lets it run its course. But Christianity doesn't teach that. It says there is a God, and, and, uh, and He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's personal. And this God wants your worship. God, the creator of heaven and earth, He wants Jake Schmelzer to worship Him. He wants Chaja to worship Him. He wants Lyric to, to worship Him. And, and why does God want our worship? You know why does God want us to worship him he is it because he has a huge ego right like he's just sitting up there in heaven like well I'm the best so therefore you know and really he'd have a point you know if you're sort of the creator of heaven and earth you could you know you have some chops you have some skills right kind of kind of be a little arrogant but God's not arrogant he's not he doesn't have an ego Really, arrogance is sort of when you're in competition with someone else. So you're trying to make yourself better. How how can he be arrogant? He's already the best, and he knows it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to be arrogant about. It's just, I am God. He knows it, right? But no, it's, God doesn't want our worship because He has a huge ego. Let me tell you why God wants our worship, why God commands our worship, why worship is so valuable, and why we want to align our life to the reality of God, the fact that He exists, that He wants to know us. Why should we worship Him? Well, worship. God wants our worship because the best gift that he can give to you and to me is himself. You see, oftentimes we approach Christ or God, we approach and we say, well, the gift that God can give me is he can save me from my sins. That's true. Well, the gift that God can give me is he can bless my life. That's true. The gift that God can give me is a a template and a pattern by which if I live, that I can live wisely and maybe, maybe my life will have better results. That's also true. But those are not the best things that God can give to you. The best thing that God can give you is himself. He is the highest good. Mm-hmm. He is the, the highest truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Every other thing in life that's good first starts from the source, good. the giver of life himself. The very best thing God can give us is a relationship with him. Yeah. And worship is this mechanism. Worship is this thing where, by which we recognize, again, that God is worthy that that He has worth and value. And when we align our lives in in this posture, when we see that God is worthy, that He's he's worth worshiping, He's worth directing our life towards and, and expressing love towards, when we begin to engage with this reality, it absolutely sets the stage for a successful life of following Jesus. When I align my life to the reality of God, everything else comes into alignment. And therefore, worship is the number one value that we want to teach as a church, that we want to embody and embrace. Why? Just because we like to sing? No, we like to sing. And come on, our singing and our times of worship are going to go through the roof when we get this as a life posture, right? When you align your life to the reality of God and you really embody and embrace what it means to be a worshiper of the one true God, your times of worship, man, we're, I, I like the day when we're like, okay, we have to get a sound system uh, because, you know, we can't hear Kyle and Judah and, you know, because the singing is so loud from the back to the front. Right. Right. We're in competition with these guys and we've got to amp it up. Uh, but when you when you've aligned your life to the reality of God, man, God will reveal himself to us. God it wants to give you the gift of knowing him and, and being known by him. It's a powerful thing that the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and I. This morning, I want to share with you three truths of worship. And I'm going to just let you know right now, this is not going to be an exhaustive sermon. It might be exhausting, but it won't be <laughs> exhaustive because this topic, I mean, it's, it's huge. To, there's so much to talk about with worship, but I just want to kind of give you some mountaintops on worship here. Number one, truth of worship. Worship isn't just an act. It's a posture of life. We, we already talked about this. It's a it's a posture of life. Worship is not just an act. In other words, I don't just come to a place and engage in worship. No, worship is a posture of life. I, I align myself to the reality of God. 1 Peter 3:15, the very first part of this verse, it says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Jesus isn't interested in being your Sunday morning brunch date. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, their, their faith sort of goes Sunday. Maybe if they're like a super religious Christian, they go to church in the middle of the week, right? And we, we sort of give like 95% of our time to other things. And then Christ is really Lord of Sunday mornings. Well, that's, that's a good start. And I don't want to put you off if you're like, well, that's all. That's where I'm at. Okay, that's okay. But Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be the Lord of your life on Monday, on Tuesday. Like Jesus actually cares how you treat people on the belt line. He, he cares... <laughs> how you treat your wife and your kids and he cares how you how you work and do you, you know, is it how you do your taxes like he wants to be lord of your life right yeah. and we worship see this verse doesn't say you must serve christ as lord of your life you must obey christ no you must worship because why worth worship says there's worth there's value in jesus there's there's a there's a something worth pursuing and i'm going to give my life to him because i'm worshiping him so worship expresses itself. Remember, worship is love expressed. Our, our worship ex- expresses itself through our relationships. The way that you relate to God and the way that you relate to others is an act of your worship, right? So when, when, somebody, when Bethany and I have a, an argument, I mean, it just never happens, but every once in a while, sometimes I do something and she just says, Jake, maybe, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And we sort of, you know, go back and forth a little bit. And she's always right, of course, but... You know, in these, I'm not joking. That was actually, yeah. no, I, that was just actual truth happening. Yeah, I'm not preaching here. I'm telling the truth. Okay. But Bethany uh, and I, when we get in a disagreement, the way that I treat her is a reflection of what I love. Not just that I love Bethany. I do love Bethany. But ultimately, the chief aim of my life is to glorify God. The chief aim of my life is to align my life to him, to worship him. Therefore, my relationship with my wife is a reflection, how I treat her. Do I honor God in the way that I treat my wife? Do I honor God in the way that I treat my children? Do I honor God in the way that I work? So our love expresses itself. Our worship expresses itself in our relationships. It expresses itself in our behaviors. What I do, right? What I do, not what you want to do, not what you intend to do, but what you do, what you actually do. It expresses itself through our behaviors, a lot, of, a lot of us sort of have grown up in this culture where we say, well, I have a good heart, right? Like I did this really nasty, bogus, rude, terrible thing, but I didn't mean to. Well, yeah, but you did it, right? Like, unfortunately, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? We, we know that. Why? Because we all intend to do the right thing, but we often don't do it. And so our actual behavior is an actual expression of our level of worship. How about our values? What's important to us? It's interesting, when you talk to somebody, in about five minutes, you can pretty much hear, if you have a real conversation, not sort of like a, you know, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Well, we, you know that's sort of the standard American greeting, right? That's the, just what we do, right? How are you doing? Good. Good. Okay, but in a real conversation, in about five to ten minutes, you can unpack and understand where, what someone's values are, right? So, like, if you talk to somebody and they say, like, man, I got my kids and my wife and You know, this, this, and this, you kind of see like, well, it's a family man, right? He has value there, there's worth there, or starts immediately talking about work. Yeah, my job's this, and this is what I do, and this is what I'm about, and, you know, or somebody who's like, I'm all about monster trucks. Well, you can see their values, right? That's kind of like Jack right now. Hey, Jack, what do you like? Monster truck, okay. So our values, what's important to us? Worship is being expressed. Number four here, our resources, our time and our money, our time and our money, if you looked at your, if you show me your calendar and your checkbook, I can tell you what you worship, right? Right? Yeah. True. How many of you think that it wouldn't just be like a pastor that could do that? Like yeah. anybody could show you their calendar, right? And, and you'd know, you'd be like, oh, well, you spend the majority of your time on this, this, and this, and you give the majority of your money towards this, this, and this, right? And so if anybody looked at our calendar and our checkbook, they could see that with our resources, what we worship, what we worship. And so worship is not just an act, it's a posture of life. And as we align our life to the reality of God, as we, as we say, God, you're the target that we want to aim at, you are the, the source, and, and ultimately what we want to be like, we see that worship isn't just an act, it's a posture of life. Number two, a truth of worship is that we become like what we worship. Worship, the expression of the love of our life, uh, it sets the target, and it also establishes the trajectory for our growth as individuals. So again, whatever that posture of your life is that's demonstrating your worship is also setting the target and the trajectory of your growth as an individual. Greg Beale said this, and I love this quote. He said, "What people revere, what people revere, they resemble either for ruin or for restoration. What people revere, they resemble either for ruin or for restoration. We become like what we. Worship. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 3:10. He said, "Put on your new nature and be renewed, as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him." When you follow Jesus, the idea is that you're following along in His footsteps, so that you go to the destination that He's leading you to. Ultimately, God wants us to be like Christ. We're following Him, When we worship. We become like Psalms chapter 115, verse 2. Why let the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, and eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear, and noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands they can't feel, and feet, but they cannot walk, and throats, but they cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. When you worship your career in the pursuit of possessions, that is like the same thing as these people thousands of years ago setting up an idol that they made and saying, this is the target and trajectory of my life. Ultimately, it's futile. You, you end up becoming like that thing you're worshiping when your value and your worth and the target of your life is set on, on just on getting money, acquiring more and more and more and more and more uh, you know, if you sing set a fire, like I want more, I want more, but that's what you sing on your way to work. Like maybe you need to set the target of your life differently, right? Not towards God, but towards like money, right? Although, I mean, I'll take some more money, right? But when that's the thing that we're living for, when that's the target of our life, we become like that. The writer of Psalms is saying like the people that worship idols, they become like idols. They're an image of life, but there's no life. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have a throat, but they don't make a sound. It's absurd. Right. Setting the target of life on anything other than the creator, on the one true God, will lead you into a futile, sort of absurd existence where you end up becoming like what you worship. So get that target set correctly. The prophet Isaiah said it really well. He said, Such stupidity and ignorance. Isaiah chapter 44. Such stupidity and ignorance their eyes are closed and they cannot see their minds are shut and they cannot think the person who made the idol never stops to reflect hey it's just a block of wood i burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat how can the rest of it be a god yeah. isn't that a good question mm-hmm. but think about what we do in life like we don't actually necessarily worship idols maybe some of you do like your own time but but we do right we do worship idols cuz again shows the checkbook or the calendar and that's that thing that we have sort of set in an elevated position and we bow down to it we express our love towards it our resources towards it and we use it you know if it's money or relationships or drugs or whatever it is that we've sort of set target of our life maybe for you it's just safety and comfort like a lot of people are all about well I'm just making sure my kids have a good school and this and everything's about making life as safe and comfortable as possible that might be your idol But if you are able to acquire that on your own, how can the rest of it be a God? Does that make sense? Like, it's not a worthy target. He says, should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is the idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? That's the question for us to ask today. What am I becoming like? Is the idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Number three, worship is what we were made for. The reason that we all will worship something is because you were made to worship. There's an old song that says, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. You know that song? No? That was probably like a lame Caleb song. But anyways, no offense, Caleb. Just kidding. They're not one of our sponsors now, so. Um, Just teasing. Uh. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. There's a, a need that, that, that cries out to be fulfilled. A desperate cry. Bethany and I went down to the Saturday market yesterday, which is great, by the way. Like, it's so fun to go down there and go through the farmer's market. And then we went to the drum circle, and all the hippies were doing their thing. You know what I mean? And it was actually pretty cool. It was like... It was so loud, and Evie was like... Ah. I was kind of getting into it for a while. And why am I saying this? Oh, yeah. Because... This is a random thought. Worship. Yeah, we're made for worship. People are made. I told Bethany, I left, and I said, it's so, I have so much compassion for all these people that are, are really trying to be something and, and embrace a lifestyle and a culture and an appearance. You know, some girl's not shaving their armpits. I mean, like, serious culture. And, uh, <laughs> hey, don't knock until you try it. Okay, but, but, uh, um, that's a, can't get that out of my mind. Um <laughs> But they're wanting to, they're looking to fill a need. Why? Because we're made to worship. The creator of the universe wants a relationship with you and I. God made you incomplete. And you go, well, what do you mean incomplete? Well, he wants to fill the part of you that, that, he, that, that you're made for, that, that relationship. And when we live a life of worship, we become aligned with this reality. Listen to this phrase. Worship connects our earthly existence with our eternal destiny. Again, if you've accepted this first fact of Christianity that there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him, that God wants a relationship with you and that you're not just time plus slime plus chance, that you aren't just a bag of water and bone and blood sort of living out an abstract, purposeless, absurd existence. There's a lot of people that believe this, right? But if that's not the case, then you were made for something more and there's something inside of you that cries out to be fulfilled, something inside of you that is searching for meaning, for destiny, for destiny. And worship connects this earthly existence, which oftentimes is kind of absurd and ridiculous. And we live in these bodies and it's like, oh, it's breaking down and nothing's working. And I wish I could just, you know, play basketball like LeBron and golf like Tiger, but you know, I can't. (laughs) It's our earthly existence, but it connects us with our eternal destiny. In other words, what you have now is not where you're going. Worship lines us up with this. And the work of Jesus at the cross, His work of redemption, and restoration, it was done to bring us into the rest of heaven. That, that the work that we are engaging in, the spreading of the gospel and the raising up of churches and raising up disciples and going into all the world and all of this and what Jesus did, all of it was to get us to this moment where at some point you step through the gates from Uh, life and death, and you sort of step into the eternal presence of God. It's what we were made for. That's why worship is always being expressed. It's It's not, am I worshiping? It's, what am I worshiping? And when you think about the work of Jesus at the cross, He literally gave His life so that you could be connected back into relationship with God. Jesus died to give you access. He died and rose again to give you access into the presence of God. Worship is what we were made for. Now, as we finish up here real quick, I want to give you some practical things. You all right? Yeah. Doing good? Yeah. Anybody needed muffin or a, uh, anything? <laughs> Six things that worship does, and we'll put them up here real quick on, the, on the, uh, the screen. Six things that worship does. Number one, worship refocuses my vision. So God is the target. We want to set our life, align our life with the reality of God. Worship refocuses my vision. Number two, worship reorders my priorities. Worship reorders my priorities. When I'm a worshiper, my vision gets focused on God. Therefore, what I live for changes. What's important to me changes. You know, a lot of churches historically, they sort of have people come in and they say, these are the priorities you now need to have, so on and so forth. I actually don't really believe that. I think when you see God and you have a vision of God and you have a relationship with Jesus and you begin to be a worshiper... Literally, worshiping God begins to actually create moral reformation in you because there's a transformation that happens as you see and have the right vision, it begins to reorder your priorities, what actually is important to you. Number three, worship refreshes my soul. I like this one because my soul gets, what's the opposite of refreshed, unfreshed? Right? Defreshed. Yeah, it's making stuff up here. When, how many of you say, I need refreshment for my soul? You know, sometimes, for some people, it's, it's different things. Going on a walk out in nature can refresh your soul. A couple weeks ago, we ended up moving up onto, uh, off Bailey Hill down in, it's over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which way? Over there. Just yonder past the, the crick and the root over there, <laughs> up yonder hill. And uh, we took a walk on this beautiful path up in the hills, and there's, you know, trees, and it was kind of still... Uh, winter time, and and it was a little chilly, but it was a nice evening, and it was real kind of damp outside, and everything was dripping, but it was just this (laughs) great walk, and I told Bethany when we got home, I said, um, man, I I feel like my soul just took a really deep breath, Mm -hmm. just being in creation. Worship, though, maybe you can't go for a walk, maybe you're stuck in a cubicle, but when you have your life aligned with God, you can even just get some music on, or just begin to, to, to quietly pray or to worship." and it refreshes your soul. It's good. What a beautiful thing. My prayer for our church is that every Sunday when you come here, whether you're serving in the nursery or you're, you know, greeting people or putting out muffins or whatever, even if you're doing something, even if you're working, that you would have rest and refreshment for your soul in God's presence. Number four, worship replenishes my energy. <clears throat> replenishes my energy. When you give out, you get depleted and you need replenishment. You need to be filled up again and Worship replenishes my energy. Number five, worship restores my peace. Man, one of my favorite passages of Scripture talks about peace that passes understanding. You know, sometimes life isn't peaceful. Maybe you're not at peace with the political climate and you're not at peace with the economic climate. You're not at peace with the climate of climate. You know, whatever it is. But worship creates this bubble of peace that When you know, man, all the stuff that's going on around me, ultimately my target's on God. That's where I'm heading. It creates peace. It restores my peace. Number six, worship reconnects my spirit to God. Worship reconnects my spirit to God. Every once in a while, I'll be living my life and I might even be like reading my Bible and being a Christian and, you know, doing my pastor thing, whatever that looks like. You know, most people think pastors just play golf all week. And if you saw how bad I am at golf, you know that I don't, definitely don't do that. Uh, but sometimes I'm doing my thing as a Christian and living my life, and and I just realize that everything I'm doing, I'm doing it, it would work just as well. It's working just as well or just as poorly, and there's no God in it. And I just realize like that hose that sort of connects to Him has been completely disconnected, and I'm doing everything in my own will, agenda, strength, energy, right? right. right. And then I notice that my ministry, my Outreach, my love, everything starts to get really about me and it starts to get really flat. And then pretty soon it starts to get really dark and disgusting, right? And it's like, this is not like weeks, this is like hours and minutes (laughs) when I get disconnected from God. And worship reconnects. Worship says, oh, you know what? My vision's back, my priorities, everything's kind of getting into alignment. Click, 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 click. And when I get in worship, it reconnects me to my need for God and it reconnects me to Him. So as we finish up today, four things. I know I have a lot of points. That's why we printed them out. I'm sorry. This is like an epic amount of points. Usually I don't have 20 or however many there are. But remember I said this is a huge topic. It's a a significant value. So four things as we finish up today. We'll go ahead and have the band come up. How do I become a worshiper? So how do you put this into practice, right? Like you hear a message like this and you're like, yeah, I want to be a worshiper. I'll align my life to God. And you're kind of like, okay, it's Monday. I have to go to work. And, the, you know, my kid just pooped on the floor. Like, how do I, all the parents of those young kids are like, yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend it doesn't happen to you. It does. <laughs> how do I become a worshiper? How do I put this into practice? Well, number one, I think we have to, we have to see God in his rightful place. Going back to that 1 Peter 3.15, Worship Christ as Lord of my life. Maybe you're struggling, maybe you're doubting, whatever, but if you get God in that right category and sort of get first that first fact, okay, there is a God. There is a God, and he's, He wants to know me, and, and if that's true, then I can seek Him, I can pursue Him. So see Him in His rightful place. Number two, seek to know Him. Seek to know God. He's available. He's accessible. Hebrews 11:6. He's a rewarder of those who diligently or sincerely seek him. God wants you to pursue him in the same way that young ladies, you wanted your husband to pursue you. My wife, I still pursue her. I don't, yeah, we're married and yeah, we live together, but you know what? The chase is not over. Why? Because that's where the romance is, right? And the fact that she knows I'm still coming after you, baby. Like I still want you. I still, I'm still pursuing you, right? How many ladies are like, my husband needs to learn this message right now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, come on, guys. We've got to amp up our game, right? Let's amp it up. Doesn't, you haven't got enough change to get some flowers every once in a while? Trader Joe's has a good deal on flowers. Okay. <laughs> but seek to know God. God wants to be pursued. God wants you to long for Him. He wants to, you to have that sort of sense, like, God, I long for you. I, I have a, there's, there's desperation. Seek to know Him. Number three, spend time in his presence. Even though I'm pursuing my wife, it's not enough to be like, hey, honey, I got you some flowers. Peace. Deuces. Have a nice life. No, I want to spend time with her. You know, we've got to set aside time in our life to spend actual quality time with God. Not just, oh, you know, I just, I checked off my Bible reading plan for today and I you know, I watched, you know, I, TBN came on accidentally before I flipped it over to ESPN. And so I, <laughs> I saw some, no, spend some time with God, like get in the presence of God. And, and in that moment, you're, you're seeing him in his rightful place and you're recognizing him and you're quieting your, your soul from the distractions and you're, you're seeking to know him. You're, there's a hunger, there's a pursuit. And then you're saying, I'm going to be committed to this moment. I'm going to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. And number four, set aside other pursuits. It's not enough to just want to know God and even to set aside some time for Him. Life is busy, right? Life gets busy and and life has this totally predictable habit of always filling up your time, right? It's like problems will grow to the space that they can fill. You have a little bit of time that frees up and, and you think like, oh, I can spend some time with God and immediately there's another crisis, another emergency, another there's more money. Well, I can get a promotion. I can do this. I can do that. I can go here. And you got to set aside other things. Like John the Baptist said, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. If we're not committed to this becoming less and less principle, then God cannot become greater and greater in us. There has to become a less. I must become less and less. It might mean that I won't pursue to make more money. When is enough enough? And I might not pursue to to, you know, Become the greatest that ever lived at something. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. But but ask yourself, am I just filling my life with everything other than God? Or have I really set aside space to worship, to align my life to the reality of God, to have that time to spend in His presence? Because I guarantee you, if you do, when we set aside time, when we make space for God, when God comes in, it's always worth it. Because He is the most worthy of anything, any pursuit in life.